This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Gotham TV Podcast, and I'm one of your hosts, Derek. On the show today, we have a very special guest. We have Andrew Sellen, who plays Mr. Arthur Penn on Gotham. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to have you with us uh, for this discussion about season five and probably season four of Gotham. Uh, we've been thinking about getting on, the, getting on the podcast for quite a long time because Mr. Penn is just one of those standout Gotham characters, one of, the, one of those kind of characters that can only exist on a show like Gotham. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to quickly kick off with, obviously, the start for Mr. Penn. How did you first get your start as Mr. Penn on Gotham? Was it an open audition for the role? Did you know it was going to be a couple of episodes? Yeah, it's it's a funny thing because as an actor, you really don't necessarily know a lot going into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the casting notice my agent sent around had it listed as a pen, but they were open. As it turns out, they really weren't quite sure who pen was. Right. So they were seeing men and women of all ages and shapes and sizes. Right. So it really was uh, obviously it was a private audition, mm-hmm. but. It was still a broader range of, if you will, competition than I would normally face. You know, it's not unusual for me to walk into an audition room and there's, you know, 20 people who look shockingly like me, (laughs) which when you look like me is saying something. Um, But in this case, it really was walking into a room and going, wow, this could be anybody. Right. Uh, And on the casting notice, it was listed as possible recurring oh very good which yeah all that means is they are guaranteeing you the one episode anything else beyond that who knows and as we've probably seen quite a lot on gotham they do kind of have a habit of hanging on to characters that they like as well did you do anything specific to kind of guarantee your place in the role anything that that you thought would make you stand out more than other people around you especially with such a wide range of actors that are going to be in there did you do something specific to put your stamp on the role you know that's the thing uh to a certain extent, you just have to bring yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to bring your take on it. I have found over the years that uh, just because of who I am, I tend to have a kind of unique take on whatever role I'm auditioning for. Yeah. Back when I was younger, starting out, uh, before I was even a union actor, I remember uh, auditioning for production of Brigadoon right. for the best friend, the sort of smart, wise, cracky best friend of the lead. Mm-hmm. And I ended up landing it. But when the stage manager called to tell me that I'd gotten the role, he said, I have to confess, that's the first time I've ever seen Mordred play Jeff. (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay, I guess my take on it was different. But, you know, I don't think about it that way. It's just the way my brain works. When I see characters, I, I share my take on them. And in this case, you know, I had, you know, carefully watched something from the end of season three to say to myself, okay, right, right, this is the world. This is the style. And they were very specific. They had like, I think, two adjectives, fussy mm-hmm. and uh, craven, something like that. Interesting. And uh, bespectacled. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, I do wear glasses when I'm not wearing lenses. So I brought my glasses and I tried to be suitably fussy and craven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because you're just reading. There weren't, weren't even a lot of lines for me in that first uh, season, uh, season four episode. Mm-hmm. But you just go into a room and for like 90 seconds, you're there with one person on camera and you do the things and you're playing opposite them in an empty room with nothing else going on. Right. And I was just like, this is it. I'm going for it. And usually you walk away because you do a lot of those auditions and you don't necessarily hear anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a lucky guy. When they looked at the at the 
video, they said, that's Mr. Penn. Excellent. excellent. And you got to work with Robin or Taylor, obviously, throughout season four and into season five. That's predominantly where who you've worked alongside for most of the time that you've been on the show. Exactly. Exactly. My The bulk of my time has been with, with Robin. And uh, I don't even have the words to describe how much fun that. Uh, <laughs> we just hit it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one thing, you've, you've met him. He's so easy to get along with. Absolutely. He's just what you see is what you get, which is really true of everybody in that cast. Right, right. Really from, my, from my first read-through, I'll tell you this, uh, episode 401 read-through, I was new kid on the block. I didn't even know if I would recur. Mm-hmm. I, as far as I knew, episode one might be it. They needed someone that Batman could steal that list from, and that was it. Yeah. You know, but I walked into the room, and people were very pleasant, and Cameron walked right up to me and gave me a hug and said, welcome. Oh, fantastic. And I just thought, these people are such a family Mm -hmm. and so gracious and generous with that. And I found that was true when you actually get onto the set too. It turns out Robin and I, and you know, there are some different approaches to acting, but Robin and I seem to have exactly the same approach, which is to, to, you, you know, your lines cold going into it. And then when you get onto the set, you just play, you just play and you surprise each other. And that's the fun. So I never knew exactly how something was going to come out of Robin and Robin would certainly never know how I'd react or how something would come out of me. But everything that happened between us was because we played off each other and just sort of kept improving off, off each other. I think that's why the fans uh, took to the, the Mr. Cobblepot, Mr. Penn business partnership so well. It's in looking back, I sort of think it's almost like we were the, the Laurel and Hardy or the, the Burns and Smithers of Gotham, because there's this weird, unpredictable dynamic between us, and it's unpredictable because we literally didn't know what we were going to do. We just got out there with the lines we had, and they came out a lot of different ways. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, one thing I'll have to compliment you on, Andrew, for to bring into the role of Mr. Penn, he has got a lot of moments of expedition where he has to deliver bad news to uh, to Penguin and bad news to Oswald Cobblepot, obviously. And every time you delivered those moments of just exposition, we all felt for you on screen, wondering whether this was the time he was going to die at the hands of Penguin. Uh, so fantastic job bringing that to, this, that to the show. Well, thanks. Yeah, those are those are always fun. And that's the thing is when you're when you're in a smaller role like that, to a certain extent, part of your job is to keep the plot going. You're there to deliver news that lets Robin's character then move on to his next thing. But the writers, the writers room always gave me such fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, just being Mr. Penn, I, I love Mr. Penn to pieces. Uh-huh. And being Mr. Penn, he has his own take on the news, too. Mm-hmm. And when I had in my whole head the world of how it how it is to run a business for Mr. Cobblepot after having run the much more efficient and less tantrum driven business of <laughs> Falcone, you know, Don Falcone, they're they're very different bosses. So I had in my head all of that stuff of how am, how am I going to handle Mr. Cobblepot? How is this news going to go down? And I would always make very sure I was at a good distance. <laughs> uh, you know, I think a good assistant knows what weapons their boss has on his body at any given time. And you <laughs> choose a good moment to, to bring the bad news in. Very good. Um, and it's it's just such fun. Uh, one thing I love is is that that episode where I have to come in and tell him that Ed is making fun of him down in the Narrows. <laughs> And to me, that somehow that came out as so shocking, even to Mr. Penn, that I just come, kind of come flying out of there. And I'm, I'm not even particularly masking the news. I'm just like, you're not going to believe this. 
you know, and happily he chooses to kill someone else in that episode, yes. not yep. me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and always good to make sure that you know whether his, his weapon is loaded as well while you're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. These are things that a good associate needs to know. I like it. I like it. Speaking of funny moments, uh, back in season four, no one really could deny that Mr. Penn's biggest episode really so far has been uh, where he's off getting some rest and recuperation on an off-the-radar spa. Tell me your reaction about seeing the script and particularly your costume for that episode. Yes, episode 415, mm-hmm. uh, The Sinking Ship, The Grand Applause. Yes. Boy, oh boy, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> you know, we talked about that a little bit, but it's really true. Uh, and this is my first experience in a recurring role on a TV show. And with the fact that the writing is literally laying out a few lanes of track just ahead of the train. Mm-hmm. So I got the script for that. You know, I was told, OK, you're coming back. And I thought, hooray, this is so wonderful because after, well, here's a couple of things to know. Mm. Episode 411, which was the half season finale. Yes. Where the sirens descend upon me uh, in the the club. Yes. I actually have one line in that first scene, but it's so much fun because the sirens and Sophia are all so incredibly deliciously lethal. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's it for Mr. Penn. Uh-huh. But there were things there in the second scene where Tabitha tortures me mm-hmm. as written initially after they gave, when I didn't, and this is impressive. People need to remember Mr. Penn managed to not divulge information to Tabitha. You try being tortured by Tabitha. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> your boss's whereabouts a complete secret. Uh, but I did, but it was written so that when they left to go after him, I came through the door still bound mm-hmm. in nothing but my underwear. <laughs> And when we got to set, they already they had the costumes I'd been fitted for. It was all in place to go. Yeah. And then we got to set, and uh, I talked to Danny about it, and Danny was hilarious. He just looked at me and said, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I said, oh, and he said, I don't want to laugh there. And he was absolutely right. He's like, no, let's keep the suspense going. But what it ended up doing is it meant we don't know if Mr. Penn's alive or dead. Yeah, yeah. I think the first time we knew, luckily, we have access to some of the promotional materials before the show comes out. So we saw the photograph of you in that wonderful costume uh, with (laughs) Ben McKenzie on one side and Donald Logue on the other side, um, trying to keep uh, faces straight uh, in that scene, and like all the rest of us, but delighted to know that you were going to be in that that upcoming episode. Yeah, but that was the thing. So after, after, especially with the change Danny made Mm -hmm. on set to 4.11, I really didn't know if I was going to be alive or dead until I got the offer. Yeah. And they sent me the script, and I sat there reading the script, and put yourself dear listener, into my head for that moment. You've gotten the script, and as you're reading it, you're discovering that there's a manhunt on Uh and that you are the subject of that manhunt. And that not only does Sophia want me dead, but she's sending out Victor Zaz and some other folks who Mm -hmm. are really, really good shots. And suddenly I was literally terrified. I was barely breathing when I flipped each page of that script. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, this is it. I'm I'm toast. This is it. I'm a goner. And then when we finally get to the reveal of where I am and what's going on and what I'm wearing, mm-hmm. I absolutely I'm sitting alone in my office and I simply lost it. I was laughing so hard. I was like. Okay, so we didn't get the underwear laugh, yep. but we're going for the going onesie laugh. This time. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the thing about that is uh, I discovered when I went in for my fitting, which, as you can imagine, was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
while I was being fitted in my onesie, Drew Powell walked in and he lost it. He's like, <laughs> do I even want to know what's going on in here? And we were like, no, 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 just, just let us do our work. Um, but then I found out that again, as originally scripted, I was supposed to be alone with just the matron character right. in a diaper. Right. Oh, gosh. And happily, Fox nixed that one. Uh -huh. So it was changed from a diaper to a onesie, which I think is is plenty of hilarity. And they added it at the spa, which took away any shadier connotations for mm -hmm. that particular interaction. Uh, and I think the end result is is well, it's one for the books, something you've never seen before. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, you've had your true Gotham moment, uh, as a lot of the actors have had over the course of the uh, over the course of the show. A little tip for you that we got from yeah. uh, from David Mazus, um, who told us the way he reads Gotham scripts is by reading the final page first and then working out how the script gets to that point. So that always yeah. takes the uh, takes the pain away for the end of the show. Although David has nothing to worry about. He always knows he's going to survive the show, right? So, See, bit, that's bit the thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> One of the few actors, you can say, especially in this very, very lethal season five, mm -hmm. he's one of the few that you can be fairly certain will probably still be standing at the end of the day. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you've, you've talked about working with Jessica Lucas um, and Aaron Richards as the the, uh, the sirens uh, in, uh, mm -hmm. in their bar. Um, you also worked with, with Donald Logan Ben McKenzie on that episode. What was it like branching out on that side uh, with the GCPD side of, uh, of Gotham as well? It's great. I, you know, obviously the interactions were always so fun and to see how Mr. Cobblepot's representative behaves in the other court is, is a lot of fun to explore. I think. Yeah. Actually, as you recall, my very first appearance was uh, with with Donal. Mm -hmm, that's right. Yeah. It was when I came in to say, hey, my boss is worried that your guy, Jim Gordon, isn't going to play by the rules. So that was my first day of shooting. My first day of shooting was primarily the first thing with, with Donal. Fantastic. And then that one little little moment where I leave the room and I happen to pass Ben as he's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. So we had fun. I was when Donal and I were standing there doing in between takes, then we realized we were both Harvard graduates. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about that. And, oh, what year did you go? What house were you in? All this sort of stuff. So that was yeah. really a nice icebreaker. Um, but it was actually with that first day with Donal and Ben and working with Danny for the first time. Mm -hmm. Danny gave me a great piece of information about Mr. Penn right off the bat, which helped form everything about Mr. Penn that came afterward for me in my brain. And that was about that exit where I don't even have a line with Ben. Right. I just I'm I'm sent packing by Donal, who is like utterly dismissive of this little minion. And all I'm doing is leaving the room. And initially I thought, oh, it's Jim Gordon. I'm I must be terrified of this man, because if anybody's going to bring me to task or set me in jail, it's going to be Jim Gordon. Mm hmm. And so I thought, mm -mm, what am I going to do? How am I going to react to this? And Danny looked at me and he said, no, you think you're every bit as good as he is. Excellent. <laughs> and that was a total light bulb moment for me. Then I was like, oh, I totally get how I am here. And it's funny because I felt out already with Donald, but I was, I think as a character, I was daunted by facing Jim Gordon. And then I thought, oh, I absolutely get that and i thanked him for that and i didn't even realize it until after i saw the footage i didn't realize i made that little <laughs> noise i had no recollection of doing that 
And that was the take that they kept. Fantastic. It's just another little key to the character of Penn, really. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of Donal and Ben, I will tell you this, another little um, backstage thing. Mm -hmm. During episode 415, while they were setting up another angle for the discovery in the the baby department, shall we say, (laughs) um, Donal and Ben and I were all sitting in our chairs. So you have Donal in his always rumpled trench coat and rumpled hat. I mean, everything is as rumpled as could be. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there. I'm sitting there in my onesie and bonnet. <laughs> ben is sitting opposite us in his chair, and he's just looking at us for a minute. And then without saying anything, he took out his, his phone and took a picture of the two of us sitting together mm-hmm. like that. And then he just looked up from behind the phone and he said, that's my picture of the two Harvard men. <laughs> Fantastic. I loved. The- I never saw the picture, but I thought it was a hilarious moment. Excellent. That's going in the uh, in the alma mater book, right? Yeah. I, you know, I wish I wish there had been time to interact with all the great Gotham characters. Mm-hmm. But I got to interact with a lot of them. Absolutely. It's good good place to be right beside uh, Oswald Cobblepot as well. Um for, exactly for most right. of the series. He gets out there. Yeah, but it is it is one of those interesting things about Gotham that we talk about very often. It's it's one of the biggest casts on TV over the years. It's been five years on air. Uh, with many, many cast members on the show. And a lot of those cast members confined to very small spaces and very small numbers of people that they're working with to keep them separated so that they didn't interact a lot, especially in the first three seasons, because obviously we're building towards a universe where Batman has to effectively track down all of these people that he's been interacting with. And if he interacts too much with them, you kind of ruin that future version of these characters. So um, so it was always nice to have a character like yours that could kind of reach out to people that maybe Oswald Cobblepot couldn't spend time with uh, too much, I suppose. So That's good. right. And it's it's a he's he ended up being a fun character because let's face it, we all found Mr. Penn together as we went along. Yeah. You know, episode by episode. But it was so much fun because you're like, well, how good or not good is Mr. Penn? And how dangerous is he? You mm-hmm. know, and and I think Episode 415 was crucial in that because then you realize he really is just trying to help run a good business. Yeah. yeah. And he really doesn't, you know, I tried to make that clear, like when the guy gets murdered in front of me after the Commedia dell'arte revelation. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to make it clear that this does not sit easily with Mr. Penn. Yeah. It's, it's part of the business when your boss is a crime lord, but I kind of, encourage the bosses not to kill all the people around them yeah yeah you know and i think it's a real it's a real thing when i when it turns out that i have to confess that i've been spying for sophia Mm -hmm. and i've gotten a lot of flack from fans on on twitter for that and i'm like put yourself in mr penn's shoes and penn says that thankfully i had the line that that seth boston the wonderful scriptwriter, again he's like this is how you do business in Gotham. This is how you stay alive. Absolutely. It's the last thing I would want to do because Penn was deeply, deeply loyal to, to Mr. Cobblepot as he was before that to Carmine Falcone. But Sophia threatened his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only thing he could do was give her little tidbits just enough to keep her satisfied and keep himself alive while he tried to get Mr. Cobblepot to listen and go ahead and get Victor to take care of her. Yes. But the sad thing is, however much advice that Mr. Penn is trying to give over both the two seasons is Mr. Cobblepot never listens. Of course, of course. Mr. Cobblepot will do whatever Mr. Cobblepot wants to do. Absolutely. But you were a trusted advisor all the way throughout the series. Really, really, really good. I'm sure for him to have you yeah. around as well. So um, It was a great thing when they did bring me back because, let's face it, me riding off in the back of that blown out Chevy in my onesie could have been the end of it. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? 
so I'm I'm grateful. And there were other reasons they brought me back too, which then changed when the episode count got cut down to ten. So. Interesting, interesting. Well, we're going to go on to full spoilers for Season 5, Episode 3 now. Oh. Uh, so if you haven't seen Episode 3 of Season 5, uh, good oh. idea is to pause this one right here and come back and listen to us after you've watched the episode, because lots of good Mr. Penn moments in there. Yep. But Andrew, let's get into some questions about this episode. Once again, this is Gotham, so you do get some fun moments in this episode as Mr. Penn tries to hide the truth of how bad the situation is from Penguin at the beginning of the episode. And also, after escaping, he gets to become the conductor of the Gertrude Koppelput Memorial Choir. Some fun scenes. Were they fun to shoot in your final episode? They were. It was an awful lot of fun. Um, and I mean, that beautiful music that was written for the, for the, the choir and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Uh, and also the choir people, the, the the casting, they were such a lovely bunch of people, such sweeties. Again, you know, the Gotham casting, it's such a family. They're very careful to bring on people who are going to play well with others. And even though they were only there for the one episode, what a lovely bunch of people. And we had such a great time. Excellent. And I also think, I mean, you've, you've seen the episode. Um, we needed any comic relief we could get because this is, even by Gotham standards, this is a particularly bloody uh, episode. It's it's a it's a hard episode. It was a hard episode to film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it yet. It's going to be a hard episode to watch. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Works slightly ahead of you then. <laughs> you are. You are. Yes, there, there's definitely some moments in this episode that uh, that shocked us uh, to to think that this is what's happening in our final season of Gotham. Um, once again, Gotham takes that moment to stand back and say, Jim Gordon, you can't win. It's kind of another one of those episodes that add to the many piles of Jim Gordon can't win until somebody else comes in to help him out. So, uh, so yes, you're absolutely right. There's some having these moments of, uh, of hilarity really uh, in this, in this episode are really helpful uh, to just kind of survive the full episode. Cause lots of bad stuff has gone on around you. Um, must say that opening moment with Mr. Penn trying to hide how bad the situation is from Oswald and Oswald realizing that, um, that everybody's still dying. People are still not being fed by him and they're still, everything's still going quite bad. Uh, and you stepping back from him, just stepping far, far enough away that he can't strangle you when he finds out that, uh, that you've told him the bad news is, does really add to the, to the, uh, to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, for, for people who think that Mr. Penn loyal, he was mm-hmm. and really it was it was almost like a a paternal a protective thing because especially once you know jim gordon shoots uh mr cobblepot in the knee mm-hmm. and we have we have the injury and the pain and a lot of stuff again it's very hard for him to see mr cobblepot going through that yeah and he really is just trying to keep a pretty face on things a happy face on things until mr cobblepot is well enough to face the reality but the reality is is that mr cobblepot is starving everyone and that's something that deep down he already knows you know he's just not he's not processing as is so typical with him he's not processing the consequences the possible consequences absolutely he's thinking he's keeping every everybody subservient when in fact he's making them hate him um you know right so i'm trying to hide the news not because I'm, you know, of course I'm afraid because I know his reaction is not going to be good. But by the same token, he's he's been unwell. And I say, basically, look, I was waiting until you were better. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't think it was a good time to tell you. But it means I've been trying to keep everybody going on on the few scraps that he gives us. Yeah. And it's just reached the point where it's not possible. 
Yeah, absolutely. So something has to give, and the question is, what's it going to be? And that's where, for the first time ever, and the only time ever, he threatens my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what ruins everything. Yes, interesting. Interesting catch there, yeah. Um, I do like that the whole team uh, leave him behind. Um, we do have a moment with Olga coming back to, to break the news to him uh, that yeah. his entire team have left, including his brand new dog, who was right to take him away from, from Oswald. Well, that's it, because he, he at that point, it's like, you know what? My boss has become a danger even to that dog. Mm -hmm. Nobody is safe because he just doesn't seem to care what the consequences are. Yeah. yeah. And so I pack up Edward and the choir and we run for it, which <laughs> that's the last thing on earth that Mr. Penn would want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what people have to keep in mind. It, it cost Mr. Penn enormously to do that. Mm -hmm. And there is a great moment when we think Mr. Penn has been saved by Penguin, by Oswald, um, when your reaction to that really seems like a moment of relief. I, I don't know how you, how you were playing the moment, but it seems to come across that, um, that Mr. Penn feels like he's finally gotten through to Oswald where Oswald yeah. will realize that this family he's created around himself is there for him as long as he treats them with a little bit more respect or at least feeds yeah. them occasionally. Yeah, that's the heartbreaker right there. And it's something, you know, Rob Bailey, the our fabulous director, mm. uh, talked about. And I was so glad it, you know, it was Rob. We'd worked together on season four as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he was very generous and sensitive to the fact that this is not going to be an easy episode for me. And it was not an easy scene for Robin and me to do. But we specifically talked about setting the impression that Robin claiming me was a return, that it was going to be okay, that things were going to go back to the way they were. And with the acknowledgement that, as you said, he is actually saying, I own them. I'm responsible for them. Yeah. Specifically for me, because think about Mr. Penn. Mr. Penn has had a pretty thankless life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's yet always, always, always been faithful without really anything coming back to saying, I value you. Yeah. That Mr. Penn wants is that respect. He wants the valuing from everybody, whether it's Mr. Cobblepot or Jim Gordon. He wants that respect. And suddenly it's like, oh, my gosh, he does want me by his side. I am trusted. I am important to him. And then, of course, in the next moment, that's all taken away. Yes. And I think that's the real heartbreaker. They wanted to shock the audience mm -hmm. and they wanted, I think, to say to the audience, look, this is no man's land and there is no going back. Absolutely. Which, Absolutely. Is, which is what the whole season is about. Yeah. Yeah. And has been accomplishing it on every episode, really. And it does give you a final moment uh, with Oswald um, as he's asking you why Mr. Penn left and why everybody left. Um, do you think this was just a final moment for Penn to try and teach Oswald the lesson, really, which is, well, basically, you've made everybody hate you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, it's and it's I talked to, to Z, uh, the, the writer, about this this episode a lot, obviously, and that line in particular. Because I said to him, you know, see, the only thing that, that I'm, I'm stumbling on is for this line, everyone hated you. Mm -hmm. I, I just said to him, see, I'm the one person who doesn't hate him. Right. That's why I've stuck with him through all the abuse. And I said, so that's hard for me to wrap my head around. But he wanted the line and we ended up sort of uh, agreeing that what it needs to come down to is delivery. And I hope it comes out that way, that this is one last sort of paternal piece of advice. Right. You know, don't you understand? You brought this on yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
we had no choice. Please, you know, wake up. And there were other iterations, I think, of these scripts. I, th- I was told by someone else where Mr. Cobblepot was the one who killed me. Right. Uh, and I don't think Robin wanted that. Mm-hmm. And I know I didn't want that. It wouldn't have felt true to the, the bond, the friendship that just grew up episode by episode between the two of us. Yeah. And so in, in, in this instance, I think it was, if, if I had to die, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, if I had to go, this was a great way to go. You know, Z said to me, look, we don't have, and this is the thing to keep in mind. I was, Jessica and I were both on track to become villains. Right. And it was Fox episodes that changed both of our character arcs completely. Of course. Yes. Yeah. You know, they basically said very nicely, John Stevens said to me, look, we only have 10 episodes. We need the time to focus on the main story and to making Batman, Batman. Mm-hmm. And so Jessica and I were, were written out earlier than we, than was planned. Right. Right. Interesting. Uh, and things that would have happened no, became impossible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Z said, at least we wanted to give you a proper Gotham send-off. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think anybody has a more Gotham send-off, really, than than these final moments that you got with Oswald. Um, the ability for a character to say goodbye is always a difficult thing on a TV show to get. Um, you know, it can, especially in Gotham, where bullets are ricocheting off every wall, you know, it, it could be a moment where you're just taken out and that's it. Um, so at least you have this moment. Exactly right. That's the thing. And uh, fans may not realize this either. Uh, I learned all sorts of things from uh, the costume department. Mm-hmm. You hear all the best. You always hear the best gossip in a costume department, <laughs> by the way. Uh-huh. Um, Cause it was, it was John Glazer, the designer who told me uh, a, he was the one who actually let it slip that I was being killed off. Oh, right. Uh, and that I was not going to make it to villain status oh, no. um, or super villain status. But he also told me, during a one fitting that I had actually been in early versions of scripts, I had been killed off twice in season four (laughs) and both times they stepped back and they said, we're not willing to do that. We don't want to let go of him yet. Brilliant. So, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for every moment that I, I did get. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that moment dying basically in Robin's arms seemed kind of perfect for the, the, what Robin termed hashtag cobble pen friendship. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they did right by me. Uh, you know, it it ended up being what it was because Mm -hmm. they only had the 10 at the time. They only knew about 10 episodes, uh, and their decisions were based on that 10 episodes. So, I know, I know you're more than likely not able to actually say who it was. You were, aiming towards playing but i think a lot of our Gotham, our Gotham fans uh, may have uh, have heard the rumors of uh, of possibly the ventriloquist possibly was in your future uh, on the show had the show continued um, yes yeah yeah i mean that's the reality and it's it's a weird irony because i i didn't even know about this character mm-hmm. it was actually last year when mr penn started recurring that fans started tweeting to me and saying, I hope you're going to turn to the ventriloquist. And I, I, I'm like, who? <laughs> so I went onto the DC, you know, wiki and I looked it up and I thought, okay, yep. here's a character who looks like me. He's exactly my age. He's exactly my height. He's exactly my weight. And I was getting freaked out. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, what's going on here? 
And the, the weird thing is, is that I am a ventriloquist. Wow. That's so what on earth would the chances be of them casting someone as Mr. Pan for one episode, <laughs> bringing him back and back and back, and then thinking, oh, maybe he could become the ventriloquist. And it just so happens that the actor they have in the role is a ventriloquist. Ah, oh, fantastic. I love it. You know, so it seemed like fate. Yes. The, the uh, stars aligned completely. Had there been more episodes, mm -hmm. there would have been a bunch of that. That's, that's fantastic. I, I'm so glad I asked you that, Andrew. That's uh, that's fantastic. I love it. Well, love listen, it. there's always alternate universes, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I know we're living in one with, with Gotham itself being an alternate universe to the other DC TV shows out there as well. Uh, we do have the DC Universe uh, channel uh, spinning up at the moment and spinning out yeah. shows, so you never know, and you may get that call in never the future. Know. You never know. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I have to just say again that what it comes down to is that every minute on that set was incredible and it's just the best bunch of people i have ever worked with uh, and that's saying a lot because i've been a very lucky guy career-wise mm -hmm. but gotham was a very very special world and part of that was the incredible and unique fan base excellent uh, well they, they have been fantastic to uh, to everybody involved in the cast and i know there's been a lot of people that have been very happy um, with your portrayal and your role in the show. I know it's very difficult. We're talking a couple of weeks, actually, before the episode airs on TV, so we've not seen the reaction of uh, the rest of our fellow Gothamites to this moment, but I know it's going to be a moment that some of our uh, some of our fans are going to be um, very distraught by. Uh, so hopefully we're all, we're all prepared with uh, with tissues to uh, to support them. Uh, through. Yeah, the, I have to say I'm going to be upset. Yeah. My, my, my husband's like, I don't know if I want to watch this. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a tough one, and it's it's you know, and it's not played for laughs per se. No, no, absolutely not. No. Um, um, so it's a, and it's once they decided that I had to go so that they could focus on the plot, then it was a matter of saying, how are we going to have an impact? Mm -hmm. And it is meant to shock. Definitely. So, uh, I think it's, it's going to be a tough one. And I'm, I'm so grateful to the fans for the love they've shown for Mr. Penn out of the gate. Absolutely. It's it's a great, great bunch of people. And I hope I hope Comic Cons will start inviting me because I want to meet these people. Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be tons of people looking to meet you as well. I did frame a question for you about about yeah. this, which was just generally, is it a bit easier to say goodbye in this season to the cast and to the crew, knowing that this is the final season for everybody, or is it always kind of tough to close out a role on a show this way? Yeah, this is my first, uh, as I mentioned, my first recurring role on a TV show. So mm. all of this is is new to me. Mine have always been sort of, you know, a particular episode of a show. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I've I've had this kind of uh, of a life with a character uh, in a TV show. Uh, it was very hard when I got the news. Mm -hmm. And Jessica and I talked about when we were filming 501. Right. Because it's the same sort of thing. I was like, after all these years, what's this been like for you? And she's like, it was hard to process at first, but she said, I, you know, I've got a, just got married. I got a new home. I got other things going on. You know, it's so in some ways it's like, okay, it's time. Yeah. And she said, you reach your peace with it. And so I had a couple of weeks between my fitting and the shooting to sort of start making my peace with it. Yeah. But even so it's, it's, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it was, it was really hard. It was, Every bit of that was hard because I was knowing, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to see these people again. I wanted to be around for more of the wrap up of this whole incredible saga of of the shaping of Batman. Yeah. And everybody, whether it was you know, the hair, makeup, uh, the camera people, everybody kept coming up to me at various breaks and just saying, I'm so sorry this is happening. And I just thought that's the love. Yeah. 
so that we didn't want anybody to leave the family. But this year is about closing things up. And Mm -hmm. everybody was like, look, we're all out of work soon. (laughs) It's not just you. This world has to come to an end. That's what we've been told. So then it's like, you know, they say in in all the movies, you know, you want to make a good end on it. Absolutely. And uh, and with the help of everybody, including the fans, uh, I did that. I think I feel really, really good about uh, how 503 was shot and closed out. And Robin and I made it through, which was not easy. And there there was some not on camera hilarity Mm -hmm. that I share with you in the midst of all this this talk of sadness. Because for that scene, I had a certain costume on so that they could they could put a little blood hose, you know, run up my shirt that oh, would yeah. be right at my chest. Yeah. And I was basically just hiding the pipe with my fingers. Mm-hmm. So that aspect of it is fairly low tech. But what nobody sees is that, you know, just off camera was a young man with uh, the blood pack and a good old fashioned pump. <laughs> so they're not seeing that. But, you know, once it happens and I'm down on the ground, this young man got very excited and he started pumping like there was no tomorrow. And it looked like a Sam Peckinpah film. <laughs> the amount of blood coming out, we literally had to stop shooting me and they had to literally, cause by then I was already, it had, it had seeped through my, my whole costume and onto the floor and they had to sort of lift me up. And anytime we needed to do a new take, they had to lift me up or lean me up and wipe up the floor behind me to get rid of all the blood and then lay me down, wipe me up on the front again. And then it's like, okay, let's do this again. Maybe a little less blood. Wow. (laughs) It was, it was hilarious, which sort of helped break some of the, some of the sadness of the thing, but that, yeah, that was, and it was so many people, David came by and he wanted to give me a parting hug, but I was drenched in blood and he was like, I'm hugging you from a distance, you know? (laughs) Oh, fantastic. On that note, that is the final moments of Mr. Penn on uh, on Gotham. Uh, they are a difficult watch, definitely, uh, but fantastic work. And I'm hoping that everybody will enjoy watching the scenes in the way that they're, they are laid out and, and how they put together, really. Um, Andrew, are, are there any other projects coming up that you're working on the moment that you'd like to talk about? Anything, any stage work coming up at all? Uh, I have a few things in in the hopper going on, actually, and thank you for asking. Uh, I'm excited about all of them, but it it being the business, you never know what's going to bubble up first. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that I already shot uh, a six-episode uh, sci-fi project that I'm incredibly excited about. The scripts are wonderful, uh, but it's it's been kicking around and, and looking for distribution for a couple of years, and I think it's finally going to be streamed uh, sometime later this year. Oh, fantastic. So I have a, I have a series regular role on that, which uh, he's a great character. He's a great character. I love him a lot, too. And a bit different from, from uh, Mr. Penn. I don't want to spoil it, so I'll, I'll just say when I can tell people about that one, I will. Excellent. And actually, that writer-director just contacted me a couple of days ago and offered me a role in a new project that's about to start shooting in LA this spring. We'll do a first episode and he is really cutting edge. Right. So all I can tell you is that this is going to be an incredibly cool project. And this new project is going to involve virtual reality. Fantastic. So that's very, very exciting because mm-hmm. I think a lot more entertainment is going to be heading in that direction. Uh, he's got really great ambitions for this. So we'll see how the first episode goes and uh, take it from there. And then on the theater side, Mm -hmm. I've actually got a play, a solo play that I've written 
been working on on and off over the years, and I've been workshopping it a lot lately. It's called Through the Looking Glass Darkly. Very and good. it's about Lewis Carroll mm -hmm. and Atlas, the real people, what their relationship really was, and how the two Alice books came to be written, and how both of their lives were affected once the books became sensations. Fascinating. Yeah, because most people think they know who Lewis Carroll was, or mm -hmm. they don't even realize that Alice was a real person. And there's an incredible story there, and I pull a lot from the diaries and letters and things like that. The real story is kind of amazing and, and beautiful and bittersweet. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful story, and I'm starting to send it around to theaters now, so I'm hoping I'll get to share that with people as well. Excellent, excellent. We will definitely be keeping our fingers crossed, and hopefully the next time we're over in New York or wherever it's going to be staged, we can go and see it uh, on stage. Uh, excellent. And definitely keep in contact with us, and we will we will yes. obviously send out to, to our listeners um, the other projects that you're working on as well, because I'm sure they'll be interested to see what you're doing next as well. Lovely. Thank you for that. And Andrew, thank you once again for joining us in Gotham TV podcast. Always a pleasure talking to you. I hope we do get to talk to you later on uh, in season five about uh, other stuff that may be happening uh, in the show. Yes, yes, I think we'll want to do that. Excellent. That's all I can say for now, but I think we'll want to do that. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Gothamites, for joining us for this episode. Hope you really enjoyed this interview with Andrew Sellen, who played Mr. Penn on Gotham. Thank you. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast.